Chapter Fourteen of Mary Marston. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Bob Strigley, Charlottesville, Virginia, USA. Mary Marston by George MacDonald. Chapter Fourteen. Ungenerous Benevolence. As the time went on, and Letty saw nothing more of Tom, she began to revive a little, and feel as if she were growing safe again. The tide of temptation was ebbing away. There would be no more deceit. Never again would she place herself in circumstances whence might arise any necessity for concealment. She began, much too soon, alas, to feel as if she were newborn. Nothing worthy of being called a new birth can take place anywhere but in the will and poor Letty's will was not yet old enough to give birth to anything. It scarcely, indeed, existed. The past was rapidly receding, that was all, and had begun to look dead, and as if it wanted only to be buried out of her sight. For what is done is done, in small faults as well as murders, and as nothing can recall it or make it not be, where can be the good in thinking about it? A reasoning worse than dangerous, before one has left off being capable of the same thing over again. Still, in the mere absence of renewed offense, it is well that some shadow of peace should return. Else how should men remember the face of innocence? Or how should they live long enough to learn to repent? But for such breaks, would not some grow worse at full gallop? But the idea of Tom's friendship was very pleasant to her. Who can blame her? He had never said he loved her, he had only said she was lovely. Was she therefore bound to persuade herself he meant nothing at all? Was it not as much as could be required of her, that in her modesty she took him for no more than a true, kind friend, who would gladly be of service to her? Ah, if Tom had but been that! If he was not, he did not know it, which is something to say both for and against him. It could not be other than pleasant to Letty to have one in her eyes so superior, who would talk to her as an equal. It was not that ever she resented being taught, but she did get tired of lessons only, beautiful as they were. A kiss from Mrs. Wardour, or a little teasing from Cousin Godfrey, would have done far more than all his intellectual labor upon her to lift her feet above such snares as she was now walking amid. She needed some play, a thing far more important to life than a great deal of what is called business and acquirement. Many a matter over which grown people look important, long-faced, and consequential, is folly, compared with the merest child's frolic in relation to the true affairs of existence. All the time, Letty had not in the least neglected her house duties, and again her readings with her cousin Godfrey, since Tom's apparent recession, had begun to revive in interest. He grew kinder and kinder to her, more and more fatherly. But the mother, once disquieted, had lost no time in taking measures. In every direction, secretly through friends, she was inquiring after some situation suitable for Letty. She owed it to herself, she said, to find for the girl the right thing, before sending her from the house. In the true spirit of benevolent tyranny, she said not a word to Letty of her design. She had the chronic distemper of concealment, where Letty had but a feverish attack. 
much false surmise might have been corrected and much evil avoided had she put it in letty's power to show how gladly she would leave thornwick in the meantime the old lady kept her lynx eye upon the young people but godfrey having caught a certain expression in the said eye came to the resolution that thenceforth their schoolroom should be the common sitting-room this would aid him in carrying out his resolve of a cautious and staid demeanour toward his pupil to preserve his freedom he must keep himself thoroughly in hand experience had taught him that were he once to give way and show his affection there would from that moment be an end of teaching and learning and yet so much was he drawn to the girl that at this very time he gave her the manuscript of his own verses to which i have referred a volume exquisitely written and containing certainly the outcome of the best that was in him he did not tell her that he had copied them all with such care and neatness and had the book so lovelily bound expressly and only for her eyes news of something that seemed likely to suit her ideas for letty at length came to mrs wardour's ears whereupon she thought it time to prepare the girl for the impending change one day therefore as she herself sat knitting one sock for godfrey and letty darning another she opened the matter i am getting old letty she said and you can't be here always you are a thoughtless creature but i suppose you have the sense to see that uh, yes indeed aunt answered letty it is high time you should be thinking mrs wardour went on how you are to earn your bread if you left it till i was gone you would find it very awkward for you would have to leave thornwick at once and i don't know who would take you while you were looking out i must see you comfortably settled before i go yes aunt there are not many things you could do no aunt very few but i should make a better housemaid than most i do believe that i am glad to find you willing to work but we shall be able i trust to do a little better for you than that a situation as housemaid would reflect little credit on my pains for you would hardly correspond to the education you have had mrs wardour referred to the fact that letty was for about a year a day-boarder at a ladies school in testbridge where no immortal soul save that of a genius which can provide its own sauce could have taken the least interest in the chaff and chopped straw that composed the provender it is true her aunt went on you might have made a good deal more of it if you had cared to do your best but such as you are i trust we shall find you a very tolerable situation as governess at the word letty's heart ran halfway up her throat a more dreadful proposal she could not have imagined she felt and was utterly insufficient for indeed incapable of such an office she felt she knew nothing how was she to teach anything her heart seemed to grow grey within her by nature from lack of variety of experience yet more from daily repression of her natural joyousness she was exceptionally apprehensive where anything was required of her what she understood she encountered willingly and bravely but the simplest thing that seemed to involve any element of obscurity she dreaded like a dragon in his den you don't seem to relish the proposal letty said mrs wardour i hope you had not taken it in your head that i meant to leave you independent 
what i have done for you i have done purely for your father's sake i was under no obligation to take the least trouble about you but i have more regard to your welfare than i fear you give me credit for oh aunt it's only that i'm not fit for being a governess i shouldn't a bit mind being dairymaid or housemaid i would go to such a place to-morrow if you liked let it your taste may be vulgar but you owe it to your family to look at least like a lady but i am not scholar enough for a governess aunt that is not my fault i sent you to a good school now i will find you a good situation and you must contrive to keep it oh aunt let me stay here just as i am call me your dairymaid or your housemaid it is all one i do the work now do you mean to reflect on me that i have required menial offices of you i have been to you in the place of a mother and it is for me not for you to make choice of your path in life do you want me to go at once asked letty her heart sinking again and her voice trembling with a pathos her aunt quite misunderstood as soon as i have secured for you a desirable situation not before answered miss wardour in a tone generously protective her affection for the girl had never been deep and the moment she fancied she and her son were drawing toward each other she became to her the thawed adder she wished the adder well but was she bound to harbour it after it had begun to bite there are who never learn to see anything except in its relation to themselves nor that relation except as fancied by themselves and this being a withering habit of mind they keep growing drier and older and smaller and deader the longer they live thinking less of other people and more of themselves and their past experience all the time as they go on withering but mrs wardour was in some dread of what her son would say when he came to know what she had been doing for when we are not at ease with ourselves when conscience keeps moving as if about to speak then we dread the disapproval of the lowliest and godfrey was the only one before whom his mother felt any kind of awe toward him therefore she kept silence for the present if she had spoken then things might have gone very differently it might have brought godfrey to the point of righteous resolve or of passionate utterance he could not well have opposed his mother's design without going further and declaring that if letty would she should remain where she was the mistress of the house if not the feeling of what was due to her the dread of the house without her might well have brought him to this letty for her part believed her cousin godfrey regarded her with pity and showed her kindness from a generous sense of duty she was a poor dull creature for whom her cousin must do what he could one word of genuine love from him one word even of such love as was in him would have caused her nature to shoot heavenward and spread out earthward with a rapidity that would have astonished him she would thereby have come into her spiritual property at once and heaven would have opened to her a little way at least probably to close again for a time now she felt crushed the idea of undertaking that for which she knew herself so ill-fitted was not merely odious but frightful to her she was ready enough to work but it must be real not sham work she must see and consult mary this was quite another affair from tom 
she would take the first opportunity. In the meantime there was nothing to be done or said, and with a heavy heart she held her peace, only longed for her own room, that she might have a cry. To her comfort the clock struck ten, and all that now lay between her and that refuge was the usual round of the house with Mrs. Wardour, to see all safe for the night. That done, they parted, and Letty went slowly and sadly up the stair. It was a dark prospect before her. At best, she had to leave the only home she remembered and go among strangers. End of chapter 14